You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning, I'm checking the betting odds, I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health, and DS01 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning, it's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy, I'm sharper at work, I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed subscription service easily builds DSO1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. I mean, beverages, watching a big game, it can't get any better. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Great to have you, as always, here on the GM Shuffle. It's AD and Mike, ready to rock and roll. Before we talk about the rock and roll, and of course the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with Cleveland, we're going to just talk about these Browns and the whole topic of analytics. Because, Mike, when you think of analytics, you often think about Major League Baseball. And, you know, uh, Bill James, the Sabermetric Revolution, Billy Bean, Moneyball, the book, the movie, all the rest of it. And one of Billy Bean's main guys was Paul DiBodesta. DiBodesta ended up leaving the A's. He goes to the Mets. Eventually, now he's with the Cleveland Browns, hired in 2016. Says famously, I don't know too much about NFL, but I've got all this information, all this analytics will make things work. Also, infamously said, he didn't think Carson Wentz was a top 20 quarterback. Now, as we look at your column today in The Athletic, and as always, you can subscribe to The Athletic, read all of Mike's work there. The war between analytics and football people is pointless. The real challenge is finding someone who can properly understand and process all the data and then make the right decisions on how to deploy it. And I am not sure the Browns have solved that problem yet. They hire Kevin Stefanski as their head coach. Why are you skeptical that they've solved it? You know, I like Kevin, and I, and I don't mean to be critical of Kevin, but I think Kevin's a really smart guy, and I think Kevin's obviously, you know, well-educated, came through the coaching ranks the right way, started on the ground floor, worked his way up. I just think it's going to be a real challenging job for him because he's got to manage a lot of personalities in that locker room. And Dee Podesto said at the press conference that they were looking for a leader. And, you know, and I think that Kevin's probably more of a guy who's low-key, quiet, you know, has a shared vision with everybody. And that doesn't mean he's not qualified. That just means to me, 
I think the vision of what the Browns think they need and what I see the Browns needing in terms of somebody to come in and be able to handle Odell Beckham. Because, look, like Odell Beckham is a little like Michael Jackson, right? I mean, he's not not compliant, right? He will show up on time. He'll do what he has to do, right? But the one thing he will do is he will create people following him. He will create – and so when he doesn't come to OTA days or he doesn't want to do things or he wants to go out, color outside the lines like Dominic does, he will, you know, get people to follow him. And who's going to challenge him to do that? Who's going to challenge him to do that, you know? And I thought it was funny, A.D., when, you know, they asked Stefanski, you know, what did Mayfield think of you? Like, I'm not really worried what Baker Mayfield thinks of me. I'm worried about what I think of Baker Mayfield. You know, like I don't have to make Baker Mayfield happy. Baker Mayfield has to make me happy. And I think you can look at all these analytical numbers and it's great. But at some point, football's a game of leadership. Football's a game of toughness. Football's a game of pad level. Football's a game of conditioning. Football's a game of making people do things they really don't want to do. Right. You need intelligence. You need all those things. But you need grit. And you need some of that. And I just think that the way they handled this, they obviously got somebody who's more collaborative than dictatorship, and that's what they wanted. I'm not sure that's what they needed. As you mentioned in the column, analytics is just another word for information. And when you work for Bill Belichick or Bill Walsh, work with them, you know, you were feeding them information. Uh, to quote Gridiron Genius, you know, the fact you and Mike Holmgren were good friends, he called you scooper because you were so tuned into what was going on around the NFL. But hiring coaches like Holmgren was a convoluted path to building a staff. It required Walsh to spend lots of time and energy coaching his coaches. That was why he hired guys who were intelligent before they were anything else. Guys who are not typical products of the football industry. His special teams coach, Fred Ed Von Appen may still be the only coach in NFL history who read Sylvia Plath every day before heading out to the practice field. Maybe the violence of her poetry helped prepare him for the carnage of kickoff coverage. That's a great quote, but just to further the point about Walsh and Belichick and how they assemble their staffs. Yeah, I mean, look, nobody was more cerebral than Bill, right? But he's a real tough guy. Nobody's more cerebral than Belichick, and he's a tough guy. And Fred Von Oppen was a tough guy, you know? And he'd read Sylvia Plath, and he was excluding the part that she put her head in an oven. And he literally read that every single day. It was unbelievable. And his vocabulary was an incredible vocabulary. But they had a sense of toughness. And I think that Parcells is the same way. Parcells wants to hire guys from the military academy. He wants smart people, right? Everybody wants smart people. They want smart people, but they also want smart people that are going to be branded and do what they want to do and demand from the players, not collaborate from the players. And I think that this analytical nonsense is truly just, we're all in the information business. So all the information is really important. And my belief is that we're missing the point. When somebody puts on and says, well, they're in 11 personnel and they're doing this and that, like, do you understand what the 11 is and what they're really trying to accomplish? I mean, Tevin Coleman was the running back, was the main back this week because Kyle Shanahan wanted a running back who was going to threaten Mike Zimmer in the backfield because Mike Zimmer was going to play three linebackers. Now, once that happened, that, according to the chart, that's 21. Toward the analytic, he's in 21 personnel. But he's really not because he's got Coleman in the game. He's only in 21 with Coleman because he's got three linebackers. So how do you differentiate that? You know, how do you break down the information? You know, there's so many times I've been in a meeting with Belichick and I'd be watching a tape and I made a comment. And he said, well, the only reason they're doing that is because they're doing blah, 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 blah. And he went into that, you know, like, oh, I got it now. I got it now. You, you just taught me something, right? Like, that's the game. And my point with the, with the article today is who's doing that for the Browns? 
Who is their guy that's going to come? I mean, Deep Podesto admitted, and I wrote it in the column, that he didn't know anything what he was talking about in 2016. Meanwhile, he's passed over Carson Wentz. He traded the picks that essentially would have been Deshaun Watson. Like, he admitted he didn't know what he was doing. Now, in three years, he's, he's on par with Bill Belichick, and he's going to be able to sort information out in just three years? I mean, what class did he take? Did he go to the University of Phoenix? Like, I'm serious. Like, what, what did he go to DeVry? I, I, like, where did he fucking – like, how do you get this? Like, how do you get that degree that quick? Like, seriously, like, there's things I don't even understand sometimes. I got to get people, I got to call somebody on the phone and say, hey, explain this to me, what they're really trying to do here. And they go through it. Like, it's really hard. It's a really hard sport to understand. And I think that this whole notion that I can do it in three years is arrogant. Yeah, and Cleveland football is awfully tough to understand as well. Let's take a listen to this clip from Bull and Fox, 92.3 Cleveland. And he talked about that they're being built for failure, something very close to that. And I think the same thing. And then I was listening to Mike Lombardi. Now, that guy was very impressive. And this guy that I just heard, well, he's like in his diapers or something. The way they do, comparing the way that they talked, this Lombardi is just filled with how to build a team. I promise you that has that guy is no relation to me because trust me in Cleveland literally I could part Lake Erie and we could walk to Canada and I would still be the hated man in Cleveland. So like that guy's no relation to me whatsoever. I appreciate his commentary. I appreciate his kindness, but I didn't put that guy up to anything. You got to send that guy the caramel popcorn like you sent me. What was the place you said? It was such a nice gift. All my kids are still eating. Ocean City, New Jersey. What's that place? Johnson's? It's Johnson's Popcorn. It's, they've got three locations on the boardwalk. And if you ever come down here in the summertime, it's the greatest thing you'll ever see. So they, so like I sent you a can. When, when Bill and I were together in Cleveland, we used to send Johnson's Popcorn out to everybody as Christmas gifts. In fact, in some of the scenes in, in Cleveland 95, you'll see Johnson Popcorn containers on the staff table. If you look at the Patriots staff table, there's Johnson's popcorn containers on there. And so what you'll see here in the summertime is people literally get their Johnson's, they get their containers, they buy a container. And then when they go back up to the boardwalk, they refill their container and it costs a little bit less because you don't play in for the plastic on the container. And if your kids ever had it when they just made it with all the caramel and the goo sticking in there, it's just freaking incredible. I mean, you could literally eat your way from sixth street to 14th street on the boardwalk and just like oh my god this is incredible like there's just like there's so many good places to eat and johnson's popcorn is an institution just like man well now it's manco manco pizza and all the other spots up there so it's it's really good no he i just got to send him something well they always say right the way the way to a man's heart is through his stomach the way to my heart is through popcorn so well done by you mike lombardi thank you <laughs> Let's talk about the New York Giants as we continue our Make Me Smarter segment here. The Giants interviewing former Dallas Cowboys head coach Jason Garrett to be their offensive coordinator, according to NFL Network. Listen, we, we love making fun of the clapper as a head coach, but is he well-equipped to be an offensive coordinator? My thought would be no, because of the fact they were not able to deploy all those weapons effectively, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, etc. And basically the question is going to be, can he mold Daniel Jones into being a great quarterback? But what do you think, Mike? The clapper potentially already resuscitated in the Meadowlands. You know, I think, look, I think if I were advising Jason Garrett, I would say, look, man, you got to get back on the bike. You got to prove to people that you got the roo and guru. You got to prove to people that you know how to move the football. You got to prove to people that you're an offensive genius. You got to prove to people that you can develop a quarterback. You got to prove to people in the league 
that you understand how to attack different teams and different schemes and put points on the board. Even though you've carried that head coaching title and you've had the big suites on the road and you've been in Jerry's Jet, all that shit don't matter no more. Like at some point, it's all peeled back and you got to get dirty. You got to grind it. You got to go back to being this guy and you got to prove that you can do it. And if you prove that you can do it, you'll probably get another chance to be a head coach. There's no doubt you will because you've got 10 years of experience and now you have this tape that says, look how good the Giants have played under Jason Garrett. And I commend them for attempting it because if you don't do it, you'll get, never get another head coaching job again. You're done. You're done. You'll, you'll never be heard of again. So it, you, you take some cojones to go in there and do it, and we're going to see really what it's made of. you know. And you're not going to be able to blame anybody but yourself because nobody's going to let you off the hook. Nobody's going nobody's to say, well, he's got shitty players. No. If you're the great coach, you're going to go in there and try to move the football. I, I think, to me, if I were advising Jason Garrett, I would take a step back. I'd take a year off. I'd study. I'd do whatever I could do. And then I would take a coordinator's job somewhere. Or I'd take a head college coaching job somewhere. You know, I would do that. But if he's going to do it, he needs to come in and do it. And there's no miss here. There's no miss here. He's got to hit it. He's got to hit it. And he's got to be good. And he's got to hope that the Giants are good enough to overcome what I think might be a lack of creative thinking on his part. Now, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, the, the trick becomes like, listen, in baseball, the Phillies, they fire Gabe Kapler. You think, all right, he's in trouble, but boom, he's a manager now of the San Francisco Giants. He's got a relationship with the GM there, Farhan Zaidi, et cetera. But you're right. Sometimes in baseball, a guy gets fired. Okay, you got to be a bench coach. Go be a pitching coach, hitting coach. Build yourself up again, and then you get that second chance. So I'm with you on Garrett that if this is the gig, if this is his uh, reclamation project, this is the time that he's going to have to uh, you know, do a better job with it. How about Pat Shermer, uh, offensive coordinator named by the Denver Broncos, their head coach of Vic Fangio, of course, made his name in the Chicago Bears with a defensive side of the football. Can Shermer resuscitate his reputation after things blew up on him uh, with the Giants? You know, I thought he did in Minnesota, you know, and obviously I think what Pat has proven is he's probably just not a head coach, you know, and I think that with working there in Denver, I think that's probably he's going to be a well-paid coordinator for the rest of his career. And, yes, he moved the ball really well for them. I mean, look, he took Case Keenum to a – you know, they got him to a conference championship game. So give him credit, right? You know, and he was able to do that and be successful. And he didn't get that giant job because he screwed up in Minnesota. He got it because he went back to work and he made it work. But I think what we what was proven is – is he's not a head coach. You've won nine games in Cleveland. You won nine games in New York. You're probably not a head coach, as disappointing as that may sound, but you're going to be a well-paid coordinator for the rest of your life. This is a great opportunity. Denver's a great place to play. You've got a good young quarterback. You could see if you could make Drew Locke into something. You've got a running game with Lindsey and Freeman that you can do something with. I mean, there, there's a real good opportunity for you to put your stamp on something even though you don't want to be – you could be Tom Moore or you could be somebody like that for the next 20 years. I think that's a good move for Denver. I thought Denver's offense was bad this year. I didn't think it was very creative, especially in the passing game. I think Drew Locke showed potential. I think it's a good hire for Denver, even though I don't think – you know, I like – I don't – I think you got to separate Pat Shermer from head coach to Pat Shermer to coordinator. What he did with Keenum was pretty good. Interesting, though, right? How you mentioned with Garrett, he's a head coach. If he goes and be, does an OC to rehab his reputation, he can be a head coach again. Whereas in Shermer's case, as you said, he was a head coach. Now stick a backseat, be an offensive coordinator, but just sounds skeptical that Shermer will ever get another head coaching job unless he knocks it out of the park with Denver, right? Well, I don't even think he'll get one. I, and I think the fact that he knows he'll never get one will make him a better offensive coordinator. I think because sometimes I think these guys that take these jobs, 
that want to become a head coach again, they get careful. They get conservative. They want don't want to be, you know, they're not willing to put it out there. They want to play it safe. They want to, you know, take the two iron out and hit it down the middle of the fairway. I think it, he just says, screw it. I'm going to go do it. I like coaching. I'm going to go do it. And I don't really, I never want to be a head coach again. I'm just going to stay in this role and do it. And I'm going to be who I am. I've got my own personal freedom. I think that's a powerful thing. I think when you try to be somebody you're not, when you're trying to be careful and you're trying to get yourself a job, like a lot of guys try to, you know, they try to endear themselves to the players because they want to get themselves a head coaching job, but they don't want any players talking bad about them when, in fact, all they're doing is talking bad about them, right? The players are like, man, get that guy out of here. You know, he's not really helping us. You know, so you got to coach. And when you've given up the chance that you're really not coaching for another job, you're just coaching for this job, you become a great coach. All right, one more. LSU passing game coordinator Joe Brady, coveted coach linked to several NFL teams in the offseason, reportedly returning to the pros. Coming off that national championship, congrats to the Bayou Bengals, set to join the Panthers and their new head coach, Matt Rule. What do you make of Joe Brady, who goes from Joe Burrow to now Cam Newton? I think this is a great move for Matt Rule. I think it's a great move for Joe. I mean, where was Joe Brady going to go and went down at LSU? Seriously, he really didn't. Where was he going to go? Where was he going to? He took that program to 15 wins. God bless him, right? And let's give Coach Ed. I wrote about this for the Daily Coach today. Give Coach O credit. Coach O, he really showed how effective you can be as a coach when you remove ego. When you remove your ego from your coaching, you can become a real effective coach. Look, let's face it. Ed's never playing chess with anybody, right? You know, go Tigers. He ain't playing chess with anybody. He's never going to win a strategic battle, right? And it's not because he the way he talks. It's just that, you know, Ed would like the game to be played in a nine-on-seven frame, inside, tough, hard-nosed run. And if he stayed that way, he was going to lose his job. So he hires Brady. He opens things up. And finally, we all see the greatness of how LSU is athletically, right? We see how good they are. And they go 15-0 and and they win a national championship. And Burrow had a lot to do with it. But really, the guy who had a lot to do with it, and I've been critical of Coach O because he's not a strategist, but Coach O's allowing his absence of ego to come in and just let the program run, but still trying to have an influence. You know, every time you heard him talk on TV, he said, you know, we got to block right, we got to tackle good. You know, I mean, he really focused on the fundamentals of the game. And I give him credit. Brady with Rule, I think Rule will do everything in his power to allow Brady. I would not be surprised if Matt hired a former head coach, somebody like a Kevin Gilbride or, you know, maybe even a Ben McAdoo, somebody like that to kind of help Brady become a better coach. See, the thing that makes Rule a really unique coach is Rule has no ego. Rule has no ego. And so because Rule has no ego, he's willing to hire people and he's willing to hire other people to help the coaches grow. That's a powerful thing. That's hard to stop in an ego world. And I think that Brady will do well. Will he have a hard time adjusting? Yeah, he might. It's depending on who he hires to help him out. Also, who's the O-line coach? But I think what Matt's doing is building himself up so that he, he's got a guy who's contemporary to compete down the road once he gets the quarterback, whether it's Cam or someone else. Uh, one thought about Orgeron. I interviewed him when he came to ESPN. I was with Ryan Rossello, and I said to him, you sound a coach, and I say this with affection, like Billy Bob Thornton in Sling Blade. And he's like, well, you know, I just got the way I talk. I go, kind of like kind of like Billy Bob Thornton mixed with a carburetor. He's like, well, that's the way I talk. I know guys seem to like it. Go Tigers. I mean, he's just, like, honestly, I, I was always like, how can anyone take this guy seriously? But he does inspire his players, and he's a good dude. After the break, Mike and I preview both conference championships happening this weekend. We'll discuss that more next.
All right, this is the best time of the year for any sports fan. The college basketball tournament is coming up. Who could get enough hoops? And I'm rooting for Arizona this year. I'm a West Coast guy. I want to see a West Coast team win it. Hasn't been done since 1997. Hopefully the Wildcats can get it done. But regardless of who makes it to the final game in the tourney, one thing's for certain. It takes the most talented people working together to help these teams play at this level. And if you're hiring, you want the most talented people on your team to help your business go to the next level. And right now, our friends over at ZipRecruiter can help you do that. ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com shuffle. You can try it out, no cost whatsoever. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's powerful technology starts showing you qualified people for your position. Once you review your list of the most qualified candidates, you can easily invite your top choices to apply so they're more likely to apply sooner. Pick ZipRecruiter to help you build a win team. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com shuffle. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com shuffle. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, now it's time to talk AFC-NFC Championship game previews. And by the way, we'll talk about these NFL players retiring early in our next segment. But for the season, my man Lombardi went 46-22-1 against the spread in the regular season. You went 2-2 two two during Wild Card Weekend. How'd you do for the divisional games, Mike? Uh, it's horrible. It was 1-3 like an idiot. You know, I mean, I'm falling off the cliff here now. You know, these games have been – like, I, I really felt like I handicapped the Seattle game, right? It just the two-point play didn't go my way. I missed Baltimore completely. I missed that one. I missed New England, Tennessee. I've missed Tennessee twice now. You know, I've been bad on Tennessee twice, not because I don't think they're a good team. I just thought somebody would exploit them. And I think that this weekend, you know, when I go – I watch the Tennessee tape against Kansas City again today. I mean – I mean, Kansas City has to be kicking themselves in the ass, right? They get 28 first downs in the game. They're 7 for 14 on third down. They have over 500 yards in the game, and they lost. I mean, the Titans only had the ball 22 minutes. Now, they allowed Henry to have over 200 yards rushing in just those 22 minutes. They gave up 225 rushes on 26. They only had 49 offensive plays for the game. And how about this? The Titans were only 2 for 8 on third down the last time they played them. 2 for 8. But they gave up big plays. They were able to turn the ball over when they had to. And, you know, they never really stopped Kansas City. I say this. How about this for an interesting fact? Corrente officiated this game. He's doing it again this week. And that game was filled with penalties. I mean, Kansas City lost that game because they really were just horrendous. With They had nine penalties for 80 yards. And the Titans had eight for 64 but the Chiefs really had a lot of critical penalties early in the game that really hurt them. But I think this goes back and forth. I'm not giving out my picks yet because it's too early. I want to see if Chris Jones plays. But I would say I'm leaning towards taking Tennessee in the points. But I would say, without a doubt, Kansas City, in that game, they might have lost the score, but they controlled the whole game. Uh, currently, the line is minus 7 for KC. The over-under is at 53. So I know you say you're not going to give your pick, but you're leaning right now maybe Titans plus 7. Listen, I, I, it's funny what you said about the Titans. I feel the same way in that, listen, you can disrespect them. Or not even disrespect them. Just just not take them seriously at your own peril because now you've already knocked off a couple of juggernauts. Hey, it's one thing to beat the Patriots, one thing to beat the Ravens. So can they beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead? Sure. But I do think Kansas City is the better team, and I do think they ride the momentum of the fact, listen, Mike, no matter what the deficit is, they <laughs> believe in themselves. 
themselves. If you can dig out of a, a 24 nothing hole and do that in a quarter in your previous game, well, certainly if they get down against Tennessee, that's not going to impact them. I think Derrick Henry is going to be vital for Tennessee. If they win this game, if it's ground and pound, he gets a lot of yardage, they try to control the clock, that would be huge. We've talked a lot about control these playoffs, how control, you know, even though Kansas City was down, didn't feel like they were out of control, it felt like the Houston team wasn't playing with complete control. So I think similarly, if Tennessee, and you hear it so often, control possession, game clock, etc., with Derrick Henry, if Ryan Tannehill continue to be precise, they can win the game, but I am leaning Kansas Kansas City. I do think that the defense improved as the season went along, and I do think Mahomes steps up and has a big game. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, look, I think everything you said is completely true. I mean, when I'm watching that game today, I'm thinking there's no way Kansas City loses this game. There's just no way. There's just no way. I mean, they moved the ball up and down the field on them. They really didn't have an answer for him. Mahomes was incredible, and this was his first game back off the injury. He moved around the pocket, and they're actually playing better now. They've got Fisher back at left tackle. Ewing was playing left tackle in this game. I mean, like, I'm going to release my picks on Twitter on Saturday, but I'm with you. I mean, they just moved the ball up and down the field. And, look, we know this, that, you know, the last few years, the home teams have won this year. Typically, the, the usually I always think this is a one-and-one. One. Last year, the road team won, New England won. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's still a hard place to play in Kansas City. So we'll see. It's funny, though. When you watch Tennessee – you know, they may not do all the things well, but when it comes down to stopping them, I mean, they forced 14 third downs in the game. And they, even though the Chiefs converted seven of them, that to me is significant. I think if you're going to beat the Chiefs, you got to force them into 14 or more third downs. And what does that mean? That means that they're not having two-play drives and scoring. You're making them work the ball down the field. Well, it's interesting. You mentioned 14, uh, that magic number of the Packers, as we talked with the NFC Championship game taking place this Sunday at 640 Eastern at Santa Clara, Levi Stadium. The Packers a week ago had 14 third downs, and they were 9 of 14 conversion. Ever since I started watching football, Mike, I remember hearing 40% third down conversions. You feel pretty good about yourself. Well, if you get 9 of 14, that's pretty remarkable what Aaron Rodgers and company were able to do. San Francisco, currently the line is 7.5. I know you said you'll give your picks on Twitter on Saturday, but 7.5 right now is San Francisco is the line over under is at 45. The Niners looked awfully impressive in their performance on Saturday afternoon, whereas Green Bay, like I said before, I think if Seattle had a little more time on the clock, Russell Wilson may have led them to the comeback. How do you assess this matchup? Rodgers uh, grew up, of course, in the Bay Area, going back to California. You know, the last time they played out there, I mean, they've been horrible on the West Coast, but this game was right, I think it was right Thanksgiving weekend or right before the, the 24th. They were one for 15 on third down in this game. They had less than 200 yards. Now, here's the amazing thing about being one for 15 on third down. This is remarkable. They had the ball 35 minutes. How do you hold the ball for 35 minutes and you're one for 15 on third down? Like, that's really unbelievable, right? You know, and they had 117 yards rushing in the game. They ran it 28 times, 4.2 yards a carry. They couldn't throw the ball worth the darn. I think they're going to throw the ball a hell of a lot better. I think they'll be able to move the ball, you know? And I think that even though, you know, the Niners – won the game and looks like it dominated the game by the scoreboard there's areas of that tape when you watch it that the you know the Packers didn't you know the Niners had too many penalties the Packers really couldn't do anything in the passing game they struggled you know they averaged 1.9 yards per pass play you think that's going to happen again with Aaron Rodgers seriously you think that's going to happen again I don't think so you know even though I'm not in love with the Packer defense you know it's hit or miss I could see this being a, a game where you know with Devontae Adams playing I know the Niners are the better team. I know the Niners' defensive front matches up really well with any team they play. But the way the Packers played last week, you know, I don't think they're going to be one for 15 on third down. 
Team stats for this year, the Niners scored 30 points per game. The Packers scored 23.5. Defensively, though, that Green Bay defense allowed 23. The 49ers allowed just 10 points per game. So I think the defense is definitely better. But like you said, uh, Green Bay's defense still is notable. I know we don't really talk prop bets here, but I saw some people circulating this. Devontae Adams and George Kittle, very similar numbers. For the year, Devontae Adams had 83 catches. Kittle had 85. Adams had 997 yards. Kittle had 1,053. They both had five touchdowns who do you think has the bigger game Devonte adams or kittle i think adams has to have a big game if the packers are going to win adams has to play huge he's their key guy they got to get him the ball they can't allow the doubles to take him out of the game because for them to throw the football effectively he's got to be the guy that makes the play because if the packers are going to average more than that he's definitely going to uh have to have a big game yeah, he was eight catches uh, for 160 yards a week ago. You're right. He was absolutely enormous for Aaron Rodgers. Anytime he was in trouble, he clearly was the guy he was going to. All right, like Mike said, he'll give his official picks on Saturday on Twitter. You can follow him, M. Lombardi NFL. When we come up next, though, major no- news here when it comes to another elite NFL player retiring before the age of 30. We'll talk about Luke Keekley and others next. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning, I'm checking the betting odds, I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health, and DS01 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning, it's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy, I'm sharper at work, I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed's subscription service easily builds DSO-1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle code 25SHUFFLE. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning, I'm checking the betting odds, I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health, and DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning, it's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy, I'm sharper at work, I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. 
done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed subscription service easily builds DSO-1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 daily symbiotic. Go to seed.com shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 daily symbiotic at seed.com shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE. Uh, before we close up shop here on the GM Shuffle, and of course, we'll be back on Monday after the NFC and AFC Championship game. Major news here, Mike, involving Luke Keekley, seven-time Pro Bowl linebacker. He's an absolute stud, and he's retiring from the NFL at the age of 28. The news coming as a surprise to Mike Jones of USA Today, considering Keekley is, quote, one of the NFL's best defensive players with two years and more than $20 million remaining on his contract. He was the 2012 Defensive Rookie of the Year, 2013 Defensive Player of the Year. He's had at least three concussions and two shoulder surgeries since 2015. And think of some of these names now, Mike. Rob Gronkowski, Andrew Luck, both retired last year at the age of 29. Calvin Johnson, Megatron, was 30 years of age and retired four years ago. Are we going to see more guys like this? Luke Keekley stepping away before the age of 30. Great, great players who have more to give. Yeah, no, I think we are. I, I think you got to prepare yourself for that. I think you definitely have to, to do that. I mean, it's a shame. I think Luke Keekley's one of the great, you know, he's the great player that plays great but prepares even greater. You know, like if you played Carolina, and you made a check, and you called the yellow weasel like they did the other day on TV, Luke Kuechly would have been in the weak C-gap. He would have been right there before the ball would have been snapped. He'd have been sitting there. you know. And offensive coordinators used to fuck with them a little bit because they would do dummy checks and kind of mess with them. And you couldn't really kind of – once you got him once, you ain't getting him twice. Like he had an unbelievable ability to know because he studied, he prepared. He was a great, great preparation and detail player with instincts – and let's just face it, I mean, this is a violent sport, it's physical, and his body took a beating. I mean, that time he was got a concussion, he was crying visibly on the sideline, which, look, I'm not going to go all Johnny Sack on you and say he shouldn't have cried like Johnny did at the <laughs> wedding when he went back because he was hurt, right? You know, so I think he's a man's man. I think he's a great player. And I'm kind of happy he's walking away on his terms, not on someone else's. But what kind of a man cries at his daughter's wedding? The fact he's being pulled away by the president. I mean, listen, Frank Vincent, I mean, Phil Leotardo just couldn't respect Johnny Sack after that. No, it just couldn't. I mean, that's a, that's that's one of my favorite episodes too, Mister and Mrs. John Sacramoni and uh, Frankie Valley on the beginning of that. Look at this shit, and he throws it down. Then the music, you know, at last that ba- and the, and the best is when Tony and they're all sitting around the table and they're talking in code because the FBI guys are there. Oh, it's the best. It's the, and, and Christopher, how about Christopher's line of the century in that one? Then you should ask him not to do this. Because this is the day of his daughter's <laughs> wedding. You should ask him not to do this. A great homage, of course, to the Godfather there. It was so funny. Um, last thought here just about Keekly and, and guys retiring. Listen, we know it's about injuries and stuff like that, but do you think it's only for elite money-making players, Mike? Like, do you think if you're an average player who's battling injuries, you're more inclined to keep going, meaning you don't have as much money in the bank as these guys? Yeah, I think that has something to do with it. But I think also, you know, let's face it. I mean, you know, he's taking a pounding. I mean, he plays in a violent section of the field that 
you know, requires constant hitting, constant battling. And, you know, it's not easy for him. And he, you know, look, he's a dinosaur, right? He plays three downs. You know, linebackers today, if you get a three-down linebacker, they're worth their weight in gold. And if you get a three-down Mike linebacker, he might be as valuable as a pass rush and defensive end. And so the way the game has changed, if you can get a Mike linebacker like Bobby Wagner who could attack the pocket or like that Simmons kid for Clemson, number 11, those guys are unbelievably valuable because they can impact the game on all different levels. And Keekley could do that. You know, the other thing that's interesting is the short career. These guys are less about getting into the Hall of Fame than anything, right? They're basically saying, screw the Hall of Fame, I'm done. Like Andrew Luck, I would rather give up the Hall of Fame and feel good about my body than keep playing just to get into the Hall of Fame. I think that shows that they are great teammates and they're bigger than themselves. Like they don't care about their own egos. They care about their self. They care about their health. And people say, well, that's being selfish. No, it's really not. I mean, they're doing the team a favor by saying we don't want to play anymore. I've been around teams where a lot of guys, you know, don't want to play, but they keep playing. You know, they just keep playing. They pretend they're playing. That's a good point with the Hall of Fame because you're right. Normally people are going to say, well, they weren't durable enough, didn't play enough games. They're going, I don't care. I got my health. I made enough money. I had a great run. It's time to move on. Speaking of time to move on, thanks so much for listening to the GM Shuffle. We will be back on Monday. Get your popcorn ready. Get your Johnson's popcorn ready as we break down the AFC and NFC Championship games next week. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning. I'm checking the betting odds. I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health. And DS01 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning. It's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy. I'm sharper at work. I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed's subscription service easily builds DSO-1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE.